Hello and welcome to In The Circle, an inside look at field hockey in the United States, a podcast that gets you closer to the athletes, staff, club administrators, coaches, umpires and fans of USA Field Hockey. I'm Mark Hardy, US Women's National Team Assistant Coach, and today I'm delighted to be joined by Simon Hoskins, Executive Director of USA Field Hockey. Hello, Simon. Thank you for joining me in the circle today. Good afternoon, Mark. Uh, good afternoon to you too. Um, very interesting news today regarding the Olympics. Crazy times, hey? Yeah, tough times for, for so many people and our focus is on the field hockey community, of course, and hopefully we'll um, come out the other side of this. I, I know we will, but our thoughts are with everyone uh, in the field hockey community and their close friends and families and stay healthy. Yes, absolutely. I, I couldn't agree more. Um if you wouldn't mind, Simon, would you um, just talk to me? Tell me um, about how you started playing field hockey. Sure. No, I was lucky enough to to grow up playing hockey. I grew up in England, and uh, I think as an eleven year old, it was a school sport, and we got it was introduced to us. And uh, my friends and I, we obviously took to it. I loved all sports, and we played all the time. In fact, I remember. Uh, playing throughout, of course, school and on and club. But I remember start when I was starting, I, I remember it being so cold and we had all sorts of old wooden sticks and we used to play two on two or two v three with tennis balls in the kind of back corner of the of the playing field and just made up our own games. And uh, it was a lot of fun. But when that ball got really cold and the sticks got cold, and I, don't, I can't remember how those sticks were made, but I remember getting the vibrations down your, your arms and hands. And uh, yeah, we, we made up a whole bunch of games. It's just a lot of fun. I think that's a, that's a memory uh, a lot of people have. Uh, maybe it's an English thing, but that, uh, that freezing cold ball and a freezing cold stick and those vibrations going all the way through your body. No, for sure. And then I also, I, I was fortunate enough to play in lots of different areas and, and play club in England. And, and um, my, my, my father was in the military, so we got to play in... Um, on asphalt in 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 Cyprus and on in the country clubs in in Chile, with playing as many as fifteen aside of all ages, and guys and girls playing together in, in all sorts of games as well, just in the evenings and afternoons as pick up hockey, um, as well as formalized hockey. is was all based around fun, and and that's great memories of, of playing the game. Absolutely. And what a way to, to learn and pick up skills, those pick up games. I mean, more than ever at the moment, that's what the, the boys and girls around the US are having to do at these, in these crazy times. Yeah, that's, that's hopefully what people are looking at doing right now. I know my daughter is, is taking up the game. I, I found her stick lying in the backyard when I went upstairs uh, earlier this morning. And um, so, yeah, she's just wandering around on her own. <laughs> hitting the ball against the fence and I guess that's what you have to do right now to get some get your hockey fix yeah indeed it is indeed it is um would you mind uh just charting your journey please from from that um boy playing hockey in Chile and uh and across England um to the the role that you're in today sure yeah I mean I was I've been lucky enough to work in the sports industry and I came to the U.S. originally after doing my university in England to, to go to the University of Oregon. 
And I slipped into a program there that was in the business school on sports marketing. And I loved it. And I enjoyed the world of sports administration. I would love to have been a heroic um, international Olympian in, in any sport, particularly our sport of hockey. But I uh, was certainly not good enough. And I have great admiration for those who, like you, Mark, who coach and, and those who are incredible athletes at the very elite level. Um, but I turned into administration, and, and as I graduated, it was the 96 Atlanta Games, and I went and, and worked there. And from there, went on to work in Major League Soccer in its infancy in the U.S., and, and went back to England and, and worked in, in the premiership rugby and for the England rugby team, which was all great experiences. And my wife, who's from uh, Denver, Colorado, we came back in, in the mid-2000s, um, to base our lives here and, and worked in skiing for a little bit. And then I learned that uh, USA Philhockey, like many of the national governing bodies, are based in Colorado Springs, which is the kind of small Silicon Valley of Olympic sports with the United States Olympic and Paralympic Committee based there. And they were looking for someone in, in, a, in a field hockey administrative role. So I was lucky enough to join USA Field Hockey right after the Beijing Olympics in 2008 and have... Um, worked in on the business side mostly and then on the membership side and various different roles and was appointed as the chief executive in 2015. Yeah, certainly a, a very diverse career and hopefully that should, uh, that's paying off its dividends right now with uh, all these skills and experiences you've had uh, bringing them to USA Field Hockey. Well, working in sport is, is something that a lot of people um, I know would love to do and I've been so fortunate to have a, a career working in in sport and also working in different sports, which I think allows to bring different perspectives from the professional side in big stadiums, from some stadium sports, as we're trying to um, ever build the profile of our um, national teams, how hockey can get ever better at TV and spectator sports. It's something that our sport globally has not, not been as strong as. Um, as well as working in, in the, the smaller and individual sports can bring different perspectives on how to... Um, really provide programs that are fun and meaningful and allow athletes to, to, to grow and to develop. I couldn't agree more. What, um, what makes field hockey in the United States special? Yeah, good question. You know, why? And uh, hey, we're the one sport, of course, who calls it one country who calls it field hockey, where it's known typically as hockey in the rest of the world. So yeah, we, we're different for sure. And I mean, I think there's some, some great differences. It's, it's a, just a privilege to be an NCAA sport, to have such a great college infrastructure um, in, in our country for hockey. Other countries don't have that. Uh, and that's such a part of our, our youth sport culture in the US. Um, and the programs that are supported by NCAAs certainly have, have a number of benefits. Um, I do think that, that there's... The, the sport is in, in many ways is underdeveloped. I mean, it's great that we have such awesome college programming uh, and the high school sport is it's a pretty strong high school sport for girls. But on the other hand, uh, club hockey has only really come in in the last 10 years on the youth side. And uh, if you go back more than that, and there were already were high school teams just playing in invitational tournaments and, and that's the last decade or so, club hockey is really growing. And I think that's, uh, a, a sign that we can really make some some growth and, and of course the, the coaching and play that, that young players get at clubs uh, is really 
um, developing quite well. And some of those players who've now grown up as, as club players are, are now into the national teams. And it certainly shows just how much hockey that they've had and, and, and much improved coaching and much better access to the sport. But there's also other opportunities, of course. We're so unique in the US where the, the sport is so female-dominated. Across the globe, it's really a, one of the few sports, um, and, and we're proud to be 50-50 equal male and female globally. In the US, it certainly isn't that way. So there's definitely opportunities uh, for the male side of the game. Um, and I'll also say, it is a curious thing that I've learned in my time working with USA Field Hockey is that um, most sports typically have a participation pyramid in, in the US with lots of um, young folks and, and soccer or ice hockey are good examples or basketball are good examples of this where there's really lots of people in the U8 and U10 and even U6 categories. Uh, and then it's, and it, the, the um, age cohorts get smaller as you get older with, with drop off of various other competing interests um, and so um, as you get to 18 and, and, and older that the participation of the sport is much younger but we've always had a participation we call it a participation diamond in in u.s hockey where there's a big bulge around high school play and not much above and not much below and in the last 10 years we've really focused on at um, encouraging opportunities for U14s, U12s, U10s. And we're starting to really see that now with clubs having ever younger player players. And that's a huge opportunity for our sport. Um, and and we've, I think that's these opportunities are what make feel lucky in the US special. No, I agree. And I mean, I've been in the country, what, now three and a half years? And, and certainly my experience of the college infrastructure is it is an incredible, incredible place to, to refine hockey. I don't see facilities that some of the colleges have in many other places in the world you look at the facilities at, at unc or you and the coaching staff there or at uva and there are there are, there are hundreds of different um, colleges you could refer to and, and that is a pretty special place to to refine your skills as a as a as a young player yeah no agreed we're, we're so lucky the ncaa infrastructure is is awesome the opportunities for, for growth within our sports are awesome. And of course, I also think this, having worked in many pro sports, just working and or choosing field hockey as your sport is a special thing. It's such an authentic sport. Um, we don't we don't have people play for the love of playing. There isn't necessarily, at this point, this huge ambition to be a professional player that can drive a lot of other sports. People generally, typically play field hockey across the planet and true in the US too, uh, for the, the sheer joy of playing. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And certainly having been involved with the national team for the last three months, it's been and for a personal point of view, and I'm sure that and even more so if you're a player, it's a it's an incredible experience and something that I'm very proud of and something that um that the players I know when speaking to them, they're all extremely proud and they, they do love the game and they put in the work every day and they're still doing it now, even in these times of, of self isolation self isolation. Sure, understood. Um, would you mind expanding upon the role USA Hockey um, has um, as the national governing body and its, its major purposes? Sure, I'd love to. The um, It can sometimes be confusing. NGB, what does it stand for? What is the purpose of USA Field Hockey? A lot of us know uh, we're known for um, operating the, the Olympic teams. But we've really taken... Uh, since 2016, a really hard 
long, hard approach at really communicating better of what, why we exist and what is our purpose. And we summarize that in that, in that three-pronged um, mission of grow the game, serve members, and succeed internationally. They're all interrelated, of course, but they are three buckets that can really coalesce thinking. Growing the game is about introducing ever more participants at every age to our sport. Serving members is we are at our heart a membership organization and, and people pay a membership fee and have understandably certain expectations of the benefits they receive um, and the voice that they should have within the organization and how it's operated. And so we are at our heart. We are we have bylaws and, and officers and, and a board and we, we're a membership organization. And then the third strand, the bit that I thought most people probably know us uh, best for is for succeeding internationally for that whole athlete pathway to be the best you can be. And ultimately for the, the very few, the pinnacle at the top on the men's and the women's side to represent USA at age group and at the senior level. Yeah, absolutely. And I couldn't agree more with your point about the fact that they're interrelated, sort of the, the symbiotic relationship between the three is just essential and, and looking at succeed internationally. And that's where the hat I'm currently wearing at, at this stage without that, without that grow the game, without that constant flow of, of players coming through, that, that talent bed, and, and you referred to it earlier, that widening the, the base of the pyramid. Um, without doing that, the, ultimately, there's going to be a ceiling on, on what can be achieved internationally. Yeah, uh, totally agree. And, uh, and the national teams provide such great inspiration for, for new people coming into the game. And of course, ever more people coming into the game at every level allows us to have a stronger athlete pathway and ever better coaches and umpires and athletes and volunteers and administrators that will lead to down the line, ever stronger national teams that again, then can in turn inspire the next generation of young players. That is, that is certainly a, a very good aim to have. What about, what do you see some of the opportunities there are within the organization at the moment? Where, what are the, the things that we should be looking to target over the next four, six, eight, ten years, whatever, whatever time frame you'd like? Sure, no, and that's we summarize that organizationally. We, we have a strategic plan, and we every so often we, we revisit with the board, the staff, the membership, and looking at what are the priorities for our sport, and um, and then we work on those as a small staff group. We have thirty full time staff, but we have more than a thousand people who volunteer and, and contract, uh, who do awesome things delivering the program in in their communities, and the the big opportunities are, and some of them we touched on before, but really expanding the sport for young people. Historically, through the 20th century, field hockey in the US was really such a high school sport uh, and collegiate sport on the women's side. Um, but there are ever more opportunities for U12s, U10s, U8s, U6s to get involved with the sport uh, at, at an ever younger age. It's such a fun thing to do, of course, stick and ball playing with friends, having fun outside. And our, we see models of other sports that have shown great growth in that area. So we really want to expand and make our sport ever more attractive. And we, we have a number of initiatives with our, through our sport development program, programming to, to help people introduce the sport in their communities to those younger age groups. And of course, it's a, it's a the way the sport is delivered in the US is that um, there are, there is ever more encouragement from families to have their younger folks doing organized sport 
and learning all the great values, not just being great athletes, but learning how to interact with others and learning with learning to deal with winning and losing and what hard work in practice leads to um, fun times and ever better performances in, in, in games uh, and uh, great just leadership skills, communication skills. These are all great things that organized sports provide to young people um, in addition to the pure fun of playing field hockey. So the, the focus of uh, uh, ever greater focus on the youth is one aspect. Another piece is indoor. The indoor game has grown so fast over the last few years. I mean, when I started, we, we used to have one national indoor tournament. Uh, and now we have uh, five and are looking at, at growing that. Um, and there's so many qualifiers and there's so much indoor activity around in uh, December, January, February. It's a really fast growing piece of the sport. And uh, you, we can all get it right. I mean, there's so many touches. Um, there's decent amount of facilities available, particularly in the Northeast for, for people to play indoor. Uh, it's a, certainly the, one of the fun parts of the game uh, at, at all ages. You're involved in the game at all times. Um, it's a, easier for your small community to organize a team. So there's lots of ways of introducing hockey as an indoor version and then expanding it. So indoors are an important piece too. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that that indoor piece, like in terms of the, in the northeast, when it's cold in January and February, that's a great opportunity and great way to keep the young, well, everyone, but certainly younger children engaged and playing and refining their skills and, and developing a, a good set of core basics that should, well, that will um, transpose over to the outdoor game. True. And ultimately, the, the we have the other strand, Growing the game, we just talked about there, succeeding internationally, the opportunities around there. And we worked really hard and it's a lot of work. And Mark, you're right in the heart of this in terms of um, helping our teams and traveling the globe and performing in the pro league. And our sport is such a huge participation sport globally. It's one of the one of the most played sports on the planet. Yet we don't have a huge amount of television supporting our sport and that's a real shame and it should be an opportunity that we can improve on and the last few years i've really got involved in this working with our international hockey federation in switzerland and um really thinking with with other leaders in the sport of how we can make our sport more attractive to broadcasters and we coalesced into the thinking of launching the pro league it took since 2012 the planning then 2006 was originally called the home and away league and it was a way of having, um, working with all the factors, but really making sure that we had this beautiful um, way of showcasing the, the very best athletes um, on, on television every year with some certainty for broadcasters based on a season is how they, they liked and the feedback we got from the broadcasters. But it's a big, it's a, it's a no big task. It's to, to set something up. And the, the first year was last year. We're into the second season now, and of course, it's been affected by the global pandemic of, of coronavirus. So we're having to deal with all these chances that come to us. But I do believe that, like my, my previous experiences in the launch of Major League Soccer and the launch of the Rugby Premiership in, in England, and met the many other experiences that other leaders have had, is that we have to find a way of getting the very best hockey onto television to inspire ever more participation uh, and frankly resources into our sport that allow us then to become an ever stronger sport uh, and it's difficult it's very challenging for the players and for the coaches as you well know mark for, to travel the world uh, and play one or two games in one country and then move to another one um, however if we can stick at it be successful we'll continue to build the the, the, the games that you've 
had so far this this year, Holland and Argentina and New Zealand have been broadcast in over 150 countries. And we need to work on the broadcast in the US for sure. Uh, but now we've got our foot in the door, we can get ever more programming uh, and sh- showcase our sport to an ever broader audience. It's really important we get that piece right. Yeah, I, from a, a pro league point of view, I'm, I guess I'm in a, a reasonably sort of a position that not many people have been in terms of having viewed it on the outside last year and then this year being being heavily involved in, and travelling around. I mean, from a, a personal point of view, I I think it's an absolutely fantastic product. I love the ability to to travel around the world, to take that team to go to New Zealand as we have, to go to Argentina as we have, and, and play these teams in two games. Uh, back to back and it gives the like it's very unique in terms of other tournaments hockey is so tournament based with if you think about the olympics there's a x number of games in a short period or a world cup where it's it's sort of five six seven games in over a two-week period whereas the ability to build up from a coaching point of view and a a programming point of view to build up towards two games, to scout an opposition, to have a look at them and then and have that real time to go in depth and, and get your plan and then go as a team and go and try and execute that. For for me, I, I mean, it's fantastic. I, I really enjoy it. And also as a viewer, I love the fact that I can turn on my, my iPad or my computer and I can log on and I can see high quality hockey more regularly than I ever have done before. So from my personal thing, I love the Pro League. I love the what it brings. And I think, and I've thoroughly enjoyed being a, a viewer uh, and a, a participant in a small way. Yeah, no, agreed. And and there's, I think I, I hear this a lot when people, because the sport's been so so regularly missing from, from being on television, when people do see it, they're amazed by the athleticism and extreme skill and speed and power of, of the athletes. And um, our women who are playing in it right now are, are great role models for the, the next athletes. So I, I really feel that we can, we've got a lot of work to do, of course. We need to get better broadcasts. We need to encourage ever more people to come and watch the games in person to create a great atmosphere at the grounds. Um, we have to continue really hard in, in training and compete about against the best countries in the world, which is no easy task at all, as you, as you well know. Um, but hopefully we can look back in, in four years, 10 years, and uh, look at the first first couple of years uh, and, and the grind that we all had to go through on and off the field to make this happen and be proud of what we've all accomplished. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think I think we'll look back on this period from, a, from an on-field perspective. I think we'll look back on this period as a, a period of huge growth. And I'm sure the same will be, be thought in terms of the, the Pro League as a whole. But from a USA women's national team point of view, it, the... the it's it's a good opportunity for us to set in place some real foundations that hopefully bring success, whether now or whether in the future. But um, but now's the time where we can do that do that stuff and get that sorted. Yeah, agreed. Um, can you expand a little bit on how fans can help the sport in the US? How what what can people at home do to help the 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 organisation and to help the the national team and help grow the game and help in the organizational um, aims. Sure. Well, in terms of, of uh, fans um, supporting the team is when and you're, you're ever closer to the athletes, it makes a huge difference to um, 
how they feel about being on the national team and how they can perform is having US fans behind them. And we're starting from, from very little. If we go back a few years in time, we, we used to have very, very few games in the US, if any. And in the last few years, we used to have friendlies that we used to organize against other, other countries at the note that, that were well supported. As we go into the Pro League, we have to find a way to have ever more people come to games. And we need to do an ever better job of getting the games into people's communities. It's actually a little bit challenging because there's such rigid broadcast requirements. Uh, clearly, the games are going to, to many, many different broadcasters in many different countries. And, and there are very few venues in the U.S. who are broadcast ready, the field hockey venues. And that's why we're at UNCU being great hosts uh, this year. Um, in future years, we'll continue to look to expand that and work with other, other venue partners to bring the U.S. women's national team to their communities so that they can come out and support and cheer on the national teams. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, hey, uh, we were in Argentina recently and the, the fan base there, I mean, they said that's an, an established sport and it's a part of culture and a part of life there, the um, the national, women's national team and the men's national team. But it was just an incredible atmosphere, even in the pouring rain and rain delays and thunderstorms. There were there was a large number of people there and that was a, a very, very enjoyable atmosphere to play in. Yeah, I can only imagine. And we've got a ways to go to, to get there in the US. We knew that. It's an investment. It costs quite a lot of money for us to participate in the in the Pro League. Um, but it's an investment we all feel is worthwhile, as do the other participating nations and the International Hockey Federation. The concept is great. We need to tweak the execution of it, and we really need to do an ever better job at selling and marketing it. Um. Simon, this is a big question, so I only expect you to to touch on maybe one or two points of it. But what's the future of USA field hockey? I mean, I guess today with the uh, with the Olympics announcement that your your days have got even busier. But what does the future look like for USA field hockey? Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, we we have we talked about some of the opportunities, and we've got some challenges in front of us as well. Is that we're facing some immediate challenges, or of course, like every community and, and every organization and businesses within the US in terms of um, how we uh, respond and how we manage the, the time that we're, uh, the time that we're in right now, we've taken the approach to like, like nearly everyone to postpone programming until we have a safer environment for athletes. So uh, we don't know how long that will take, but we're, we're building alternative plans right now. That's in the immediate future. And of course that's the, the priority that we've all had to adapt to in the longer term. There, there's some challenges too. I mean, we talked about the opportunities. There's some challenges in the US in terms of the pay-to-play model is is under some stress, which is people typically pay um, to participate in their in their team sport, um, and we're no different. The general trend in the US is that there's a context of a decline in organized sport. Hockey's been all right, we're stable, but a number of other sports have shown declines in the last couple of years. And there's many reasons for that and, and lots of research going on, which is around um, pressures on young people's time, particularly when we think of, of young people participating in the sport. Um, so we're, we're, we've done all right, but we've got to be super careful that we really make sure that our sport is uh, well packaged globally for people to engage in in the future. And generally, that means uh, two key principles. One is that it's fun. So everything that we do remains fun, the, the essence of why we, we do sport. 
Uh, and second, that it's social as well, and that it's encouraging for people to interact with their friends. Uh, and the sports who who become overly competitive and, and overly selective are suffering from that right now because they haven't been listening to the, to what the needs are of, of young people. So we need to really have a good look at ourselves and make sure that we keep those two principles in place as we look at programming going forward. We also look at, as we look to the future, we look at hosting the Olympics in Los Angeles in 2028 as a nation. And that provides us a number of opportunities as well to really um, mobilize and showcase our sport. There's only a few sports that are in the summer games and, and we're one of those. So we're looking to make sure that we capitalize with pre-legacy. We're doing a lot of work in Southern California right now. Um, we aim to have our men's team participating in the Olympics as well. And there's um, teenagers and, and, and younger out and about right now in the U.S. who could yet uh, make our U.S. national team uh, and proudly walk out in the opening ceremonies in Los Angeles in 2028. So we have some great um, opportunities around hosting the Olympics. Our goal is, is, to, is to grow the sport um, and to have ever greater success internationally. So our programming is based around that. Um, we have to be mindful of these challenges, but we've talked about a number of the opportunities too. I would say that this piece as well, which I think is important when, you, when we're discussing the, the health of the organization and our future is, is that we're in a, a competitive environment. We receive no support from the government, unlike um, the teams that you play against, Mark, on, on, with the women on the national team. They're receiving government grants and the many millions of dollars per year. We do not receive that. So we're so grateful to our members for their support. Um, and anyone who invests and participates in our programming, whether that be Futures or the National Hockey Festival or the National Indoor Tournament or coach education or empire education classes, when they're doing that, they're not only having hopefully great experiences, but they're also helping to support the sport. Um, by providing resources to USA Field Hockey that we invest wholly back, we're a nonprofit, we invest wholly that back into our mission. So that means we're able to have people who um, can work on the rules and the safety of the game. We have all these programs about starting new clubs and providing subsidized equipment to encourage people to, to join the sport. Um, to fund our international teams, it costs a significant amount of dollars, as, as we all know, to, to travel the world and compete at the very highest level. So we have to be really smart and entrepreneurial to to thrive, and and it's not easy. It's a it's a challenging environment to do that. So we need to be really competitive and put on great programs, and also have great support from the, the thirty thousand members and all the all the people involved in our program. If we can continue to get that balance right, then we will thrive. Yeah, and yeah, I, I agree more. And I, it's interesting the point you made about um, the futures of, um, futures tournaments and futures um, training. It's the players there that are, are working in that pro those programs now, or, or certainly when this this pandemic passes, that they will be the ones out there. They will be the ones at LA twenty twenty eight. They'll be the ones potentially representing this country, and that's uh, exciting times. And those players need to recognise the opportunity that they have in front of them in in eight years time. Yeah, no, no, well said. And, and that's another truism of our sport, right? If you're, if if you chose another sport, which is great too, because it's great for young everyone to play multiple sports. But we love everyone playing field hockey. Um, but the, the reality is in field hockey because um, we are a smaller sport. We're not the mega sport of of soccer or football or baseball. 
is that you have a real chance of playing if you if you have talent and you work really hard at it and you're you're very coachable and you listen well and you're dedicated to the sport you have a chance of playing at the top level you certainly have a chance of playing at college and that's not true of every sport so you can really go places in our sport and and we know so many people who have done just that yeah agreed and uh, i mean uh, we're hoping i would certainly from a this is a, a totally personal opinion but more of those multi-sport players turn their hand to hockey the lacrosse girls the the soccer players because those players develop skills that sometimes in hockey they don't they don't come as naturally the spatial awareness piece that soccer players exhibit it, it just comes so much more naturally because they played the game at a, a much younger age and those are the players that have the real potential to to spring forward so i'm all for those players playing lots of different sports, but their landing pot, their landing piece being in in field hockey. Yeah, no, well said. And I think we've we've got ever more educated on that. We've been working closely with the United States Olympic and Paralympic Committee on the American development model, and people can can research that more on our website. And it's really again when we came back to that essence of the sport, is we need to make sure we're delivering it right to the right ages in the right way. And coaching in the, in, the, in the right time frame in the right place and with the right types of activities and that's that's captured by the american development model and, and part of that is playing as many sports as you can when we're young and playing multi-sports when you're in your in your young teens and then if you want to be elite of course at some point you need to specialize but not not too early and, and good there's good academic uh, research supporting that right now so we really focus on delivering field hockey the most contemporary way. Yeah, agreed. And maybe that also deals with some of the the um, player retention issues as well. The, the, the documents and the research on player burnout. Um, maybe we get players, if they have been at a play multi-sports till they're 14, 15, 16 years old and then, then turn their hand to hockey, those players are still playing into their, their 30s, which is something that we haven't seen recently with the national team. No, true. And, and we didn't touch on it yet in our conversation, but yeah, a big difference from, from the way our sports live in the US to, to the experience of hockey in other countries is, you know, that there's many differences, of course, and every, every country has different sporting culture. But typically in hockey in other countries that we're most familiar with, it's a life, a sport for life, a lifelong sport, and people get attached to a club and, and they, they continue from, from a young person right through to when their body can no longer run up and down the field and then they tend to, to umpiring and, and volunteering as well. It's a different experience in the US and it's tip, there's lots of drop off at 18 and lots of drop off at 22 after college and we need to do ever better work on that and, and there's good initiatives coming through. The, the Masters group has grown so fast in the last couple of years where people are having the opportunity to represent the US and have fun and be social at the same time at these different age groups. But we 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 look over these next few years to do ever more with adult hockey to to provide opportunities in leagues and clubs for people to continue their hockey experience as a player from 22 onwards in their 20s and 30s and 40s. And I think we can make some good grounds on that. Yeah, agreed. And again, with my women's national team hat on, it was I spoke to Lauren Moyer last week, and we were talking on on the podcast about how incredible it was to see the Argentinian girls after the game back to the changing rooms hand in hand with multiple children and this it was just something that is is pretty alien to to a player in the united states and i guess it's something that we want to aspire to achieve to have these players playing hockey um and um, in that position that they can come back while still having a balanced life and a, and a personal life 
Yeah, no, it's a, it's a, it's a really difficult balance. I mean, people, our sport doesn't pay thousands and thousands of dollars to the elite athletes, so we need to find uh, ways where they can um, have a, a performance life, lifestyle, a balance between a great competitive elite athlete, um, staying in the sport for as long as possible. So those are extra challenges and lots of thinking going into to how we can do and have a better job with that as well. Simon, it's been great to talk to you. Thank you very much for giving me your time at this. I'm sure you're you're extremely busy at this this time of year and with everything that's going on. Hey, Mark, thanks so much. Great to great to talk, and, and all the best and stay healthy. Yes, you too. Thanks, Simon. Thank you for joining us in the circle. Continue to check back for more episodes on a look inside USA Field Hockey.